Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Let's talk about Cloak and Dagger today. I um, I told Chris <laughs> I've seen this one. He'd not heard of it. And he's like, is that like naughty and nice? And I was like... I guess, in a weird way, I suppose. Naughty and nice. Well, yeah, I guess they're like they're like light and dark, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I was that kind of threw me, but yes, let's talk about Cloak and Dagger. It was when I hadn't gone back to, to be honest, for a really long time. So it was interesting to rewatch. So we just we thought we'd put both seasons together because it's quite short, and um, it means we there's less time. There's we don't have to wait so long to get to Endgame because we're very excited. And um, and also there was only about eight months in between the two seasons. It was they churned that one out very quickly. It's ABC. Um, they do that. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, I can't say I was that enamoured of it. I must admit. Really? I thought this was going to be your kind of cup of tea. It's dark and it deals with like social issues and emotions. And uh, as we all know, you can never predict what I'm going to like and dislike. So I can't. You know what? I'm going to start saying the opposite of what I think. And you'll be like, no and I'm like hi what's right really <laughs> but then yeah but then you're, you're still gonna get it wrong you could be the opposite and you're still not gonna know I'll never know what's going to happen yeah no I it did it did do very well at the time actually mm-hmm. but it does feel very um not young in the same way that like oh my god my brain just stopped runaways working. yeah not young in that sense but it feels very like pretty little liars young does that make sense yeah I guess so. I've not seen pretty little liars so I'm not really sure all the about scream tv shows it's like darker but still like mm. dark teen i guess it's like the natural evolution of things like the oc and <laughs> yeah i see what you mean i think um because i obviously we're going to compare this one to runaways quite a bit because this is like another gen z youthful kind of thing the characters are very young they're like teenagers in school um the themes are relatively similar in that it's like parents involved in evil corporation and that the youngsters rebelling against it that old chestnut mm. um but i think what because i i quite enjoy runaways um and i think it's because the characters are a little bit more lively and colorful um whereas the two main characters in this cloak and dagger themselves the actors are very good but other than moody i couldn't think of another word to describe them they were just moody <laughs> yeah angsty very angsty it's like harry potter book five yeah yeah there was just such minimal amounts of humor in this there was no for me there was no sense of fun um and that made me look at my phone quite a lot whilst watching it (laughs) it was very dc i guess in that sense yeah a little bit dc um you know what it does that is quite interesting is normally we have superheroes in silo i guess like they're 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 on their own whereas this is all about the duality they, they need about friendship and community like that last episode of the final season mm. is like you know that if I was going to say horrible things about myself and you would tell me I was wrong 
or vice versa mm. it's like you are so much nicer to your friends than you are to yourself yes yeah yeah that's a good point actually they do they do push the idea of them being two parts of one whole um yeah. and how on their own they can't do a lot like if, if if one of them's on their own and actually yeah their powers are quite minimal when they are alone um but put them together they're they're much more um indestructible i guess um mm. and it's about about connections and community and things like that isn't it which I did. I quite liked that. And I quite liked, um, I did like the dark themes. I'm a sucker for dark themes. The second series especially was very dark at times. Trafficking and all sorts. That, some of that was quite frightening, I must admit. You can see how I don't even know anything. I'm like, sexual trafficking, that should be human trafficking or sex trafficking, because I'm not involved in it. I'm like, the sexual trafficking? Is that, is that what it is? We're not, we're not experts. We haven't, we haven't done an internship (laughs) in this industry. no. Yeah, it's very dark. I thought Mayhem's character was quite interesting as well because she, like, you can kind of see where she's coming from mm, quite a lot yeah. of times when there's like shades of grey villains. I like, yeah, Mayhem is like a, so we have Brid- Bridget O'Reilly who's like a police officer and she develops this sort of second, this split personality between her and Mayhem who's her, but like the aggressive side of her. And mm. it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. But I liked how she wasn't evil. She was still on the side of good but her methods were very different to it'd be like a dnd where you're chaotic good yes chaotic good that's it chaotic violent good <laughs> <laughs> she's no longer good lawful or neutral good she's pure chaos yeah yeah <laughs> mayhem one might say yes exactly she, yes <laughs> i um i also enjoyed um the incorporation of um like louisiana voodoo cultures and religious aspects as well um and i think because when we say voodoo in inverted commas it's completely misrepresented in mm. media as like it's this the james of, bond version isn't it it's the live and let die version of it in that it's just kind of made up it's sticking pins in dolls and stuff like that when actually that's kind of insulting because this is actually a religion yeah <laughs> it's, it's like reducing i don't know christianity to just a cross or something it's or actually like, a, are they like to nail people to crosses all the time it's like i think you really misinterpreted what this is about <laughs> exactly there's a whole uh, there's a whole multitude of um different denominations and um and it was it was quite educational in that it got me wanting to read more about what they mean by loa and veve and the symbols and the various mm. gods and how they perceive gods because we us two we're brought up in a relatively like christian-based society i suppose we're not religious people but Christianity is probably the closest religion we've had and that's where the your god is your absolute pinnacle of good and authority whereas other religions do not have that same um thing particularly polytheistic that's a word that's a good word I love that word polytheistic I know thank you polytheistic religions where there's multitude there's a multitude of gods and um yeah I just thought that was quite interesting and I think they incorporated it in a very sort of um respectful and insightful way in in there and I quite like that yeah I think that was good too and I I also would say like when I watched this the first time the first episode when it begins you're sort of like oh for god's sakes they've gone for such stereotypes that you've got the white ballerina rich girl and you've got this little black boy who's been accused Mm. of stealing and I don't know it felt like they were going to go down but then they they flipped it quite nicely They they did flip it yeah and um 
but I suppose again, it's about it's about unity and about society working together. You've got quite a a combination of um, um, characters of different races and different cultures and things, and it's all about them working together rather than working against each other or working separately. Um, yeah, and, and the fact I appreciate that. that. The powers don't grant him the privilege to rise above the color of his skin. Mm. Like that's still always going to hold him back, mm. which was interesting too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think my biggest problem with it was that there was a lot of filler. Um, like every 10 minutes, they, they, they'd have like a couple of scenes of dialogue and exposition, maybe the plot would move forward slightly. But then every, te- every 10 minutes, there'd be like a, a, a song. Um, and then there'd just be like this dreamlike sequence. Maybe Tandy's doing some ballerina ring or Ty's walking around in the, mm-hmm. in the streets or something. Um, and it's not really moving the plot forward. And this would happen so much in it. And it was just, it would get a bit tedious sometimes. And I thought this, it's its like you're wasting time. And- um, I've seen the final episode of season two. They use the same song at the beginning, the same song at the end. I'm pretty sure they use it in the, I can't remember what it is now. Ah, oh, it's it like a woman singing quite mournfully. Mm. Like, how will I find you? Or, I can't remember how it went, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It felt very like, um, criminal minds or something like one of those old crime dramas yeah and it and so when I when I was going through making some notes on it making some notes on the plot it that really showed me how there wasn't actually as much like it seems like there's a very little plot but it was stretched over 20 episodes Mm. and within that there was also these musical interludes that didn't do anything and I found it just really just really annoying actually I just just really boring and thin and yeah I didn't like it it also committed what for me is the worst sin of fiction ever um and it's dream sequences there are a lot of dream sequences there's so many dream sequences I think it kind of lowered the stakes a lot actually in the second one because when he was like disappearing people at first you might be like, oh, it's a snap. They've been snapped, but they're just like in the audience. And you're like, oh no, not the audience. They'd have to listen to trumpet music forever. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was like, you're like, oh, well, that's not that bad, is it? No, so. I was like, this doesn't seem like that were, that bad a fate really. If you don't really yeah. know you're there and it's you're basically asleep and it sounds quite peaceful actually. Yeah, maybe that is what happened with the snap. Maybe they're all just lying somewhere listening to trumpet music. Listening to tr- blues trumpet <laughs> music, yeah. <laughs> but I just, um, I, I hate dream sequences so much. Like when you get to um, a, a brand chapter in the Game of Thrones series, the books, yeah. you end up, I end up skim reading it because it always starts off with a dream of him running around as a wolf. And it, I don't know how many times George R. R. Martin can labour that point. He's always like, he wishes he still had his legs. Like, yeah, we know, George, we know. He had it on the last seven brand chapters. Yeah. Thanks, George, yeah. Um, but I just, I, I think dream sequences in fiction all the time, they oh. grind, they ground the plot to a halt. And because you know it's not real, you know it's just a representation of the character. And unless you're doing a whole Alice in Wonderland thing, it's just an absolute waste of time for me personally. Yeah. And um, I feel very strongly about that. And I don't know who to write to about it. Um, ABC, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, but they're not like heads of fiction in the world, are they? No, you're right. And it is it is annoying, a dream sequence. I find them frustrated. We, in creative writing, people, like, I mean, I did it as well. You end up relying on them a lot. To, it's like a way of doing exposition, isn't it? Mm. Like, oh, I dream this happened. It shares this in my psyche. And it, it just feels a bit lazy. It is, yeah. And it's, like I said, it's filler. It just fills up time and doesn't do anything to the plot or the character. For me personally, anyway. Um, maybe if I was a lot younger, I would love it. I'd be like, oh, it just speaks to me. It speaks to how I feel about my life and my parenthood and all that stuff. But when you, when you're not like, um, you know, and what's the word? Stuck in your parents' house and whatever. When you're a bit more independent, <laughs> you don't really identify with these ca- these characters in the same way. What's the word when you're like in, not debased in, in holded. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> Entrenched. In... Entrenched. Something like that. I don't know. Words, words, words. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to look and see what it got on Rotten Tomatoes, actually, because it'd be interesting. I, f- I remember it doing well at the time. Mm. But I also do think, based on what we know about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that Marvel fans tend to just sort of... Indiscriminately love, love it. Yeah, they're just like, yay, Marvel! <laughs> no mm. offence to them. I'm not going to say they're wrong for it. But and they it had is- superheroes in it, so I gave it 10 out of 10! <laughs> yeah, unless it's DC, then of course they do not. 87%. 87? Gosh. That is high. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> that was rude of me. Um, yeah, that's quite high, isn't it? And I, I, like I said, I remember people liked it at the time. ABC was the same people who did Agent Carter, weren't they? Mm, I believe and so, I preferred, yeah. I preferred Agent Carter because it was a bit more like what you expect from Marvel, a bit more fun. It was fun, yeah. And it had a it had a self-knowingness, a self-awareness to it, whereas this is, I feel like Cloak and Dagger is taking itself very seriously. Hmm. Apparently, okay, so people like it because it blends soapy drama with superhero grit to create an su- exciting and surprisingly thoughtful addition to the genre, even if it falls prey to a certain amount of narrative bloat. Bloat. Uh, narrative bloats. I like that, yeah. And uh, uh, people like it because it didn't need to appeal to any kind of rabid fan base or honour any iconic stories because the characters aren't that famous in the world of the comic books, really. They don't have, like, a famous arch nemesis type thing. You know, so they could go in all sorts of directions with it, really. There's no, yeah, yeah, it won some awards. What I kind mean, of I, awards? I, I, <laughs> oh, like the Saturn Award nominations. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that, yeah. The ones that they have as a, as a sort of selection pack on Netflix, so it's like these award winning shows, and you're like, why is Christmas on the square in here? <laughs> <laughs> it won it probably won like you know, when you say award and then it, you find out it's a teen choice award you're like these teenagers don't know what's good for them they don't know yeah. what's good actually thinking about it from their age group though it does introduce them to some big topics in quite an interesting way so i can see that it would be better for them and, and also it, you're probably feeling like you want to get to end games so that might have skewed your viewing of it possibly yeah i'm like i'm not here for this i want to find out what happened after thanos killed everyone yeah <laughs> Exactly. So maybe it's a little bit different for you. If it's not giving me insight into that, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it, we're finding that um, more and more shows that are aimed at um, sort of uh, people between the age of about 11 and 18 
are getting darker and darker in the themes. Like we watched stuff when we were younger that would deal with, you know, things like bullying or um <laughs> biker grow. Biker yeah. Or you know, it would it would have like a drug storyline, but it'd be very much someone like smoking a bit of cannabis. And it would be like, no, don't do that. It's bad. And then that's about it, really. Whereas I feel like stuff for teens now is becoming a little bit more sophisticated in that and a bit more like a bit more fair minded and a bit more acknowledging the fact that teenagers are going to do this. Um, So it's about teaching them how to do it in a safe way. And that's rather than that or, or. or dealing with stuff that is genuinely dark, like human trafficking. <laughs> Which is still a shocker to me that that popped up. And I think the way they dealt with that episode was a bit of a, that was a whole dream sequence, really. Mm. The human trafficking episode, because he was trapping people inside their brains, wasn't he? Yes, yes. He um, he sort of takes away all their hope or something to the yeah, point yeah. where, um, so I suppose it's symbolic of what really happens in that um, people who find themselves in, involved in human trafficking modern slavery and even radicalization and stuff like that they're people who just have no hope they've reached the point of despair so that they're easy to manipulate and 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 ensnare um yeah so we had like i mean they're like he's like a dementor really isn't he yeah yeah very dementor like yeah very similar in that respect um and how they he preyed upon people who are going to like support groups and stuff because these this is where yeah um same reason why things like radicalization and stuff happens so much in prisons is that you know these are people at the absolute bottom of their lives and feel like they just have no way of getting out of it um because society doesn't give them a way out of it and yeah yeah interesting much more much more like adults i think but aimed at youngsters and i which i i quite appreciate i guess yeah yeah and i guess it was quite nice that the one consistency thing that kept her hopeful was was the fact that she had a friendship and her connection. Mm. So that was like, what? what like he realised it, didn't he? And he killed him off. So mm. I don't know. It was in, it was a very interesting... It's, it's interesting to see what kids watch nowadays. I wonder what it would be like in 10, 20 years' time. It's going to be in this like, list. <laughs> if they, they remake Gummy Bears or, or Care Bears or something, and we suddenly find it's dealing with modern slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like where's just like the turtles eating pizza in the sewers? Where are those guys? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thundercats, what's happened to you? <laughs> yeah, I, it's very dark. Like, I was thinking about like the different topics we had in this. We had abuse, we had split personality, anger management issues, had revenge, um, racism within the police force. Oh God, of course, yes. Mm. Privilege, white privilege. Um, white privilege um uh, extreme people. capitalism and corporation bad corporations yeah uh what's the, like memory repression when you've been through trauma yeah yeah and as well as like spirituality as well mm. um there was a lot going on i just think that it um runaways does its sort of musical like dreamy sequences as well but it's not as prevalent they still have enough going on in it whereas this there was it was just filled up with that and it there were long periods where I felt like it was quite tedious there was a whole episode in the second series where we were seeing different versions of Tandy's life or something in different dreams and that was the entire episode and the entire episode yeah that's it well that was the one where like the hope was that was the hope of Tyrone being in it exactly Uh, yeah that whole the one you mentioned and I just thought 
you might as well have just cut that out or made that a 10 minute sequence in another episode. This is just so boring for me. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm just in the wrong demographic for the show. If it had come out around the same time as Buffy came out for us, like that, it's the equivalent of that sort of level of darkness makes kids feel quite adult, deals with big themes. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think we are in the mood for something a bit lighter, maybe. Yeah, well, not lighter necessarily, but just with more going on. <laughs> yeah, well, more fanus action. <laughs> I think. Um, I think like the Netflix series, there's there's always there's just a few more characters and a few more storylines all tangled up together, and that keeps the drive of it. Whereas this was a bit more about imagery and and color and, and dreamlike moods and atmosphere and. I think I'm more a plot-driven person generally, um, rather than it was. It was a bit style over substance sometimes. I think that was it. Yeah, I guess that's very true. And I, I think you do find that with teen dramas. Of, <laughs> you do find that with teen dramas of this era, they are very like muted. Like if you look at the way the Harry Potter filming changed and how they became very like muted colors, like washed out black and white almost. And, mm. They even had like a little dream sequence in two. Well, even in um, uh, the newer, the sort of the newer um, uh, films like Captain Marvel and Spider-Man: Homecoming, they were fun, but the the um, the color scheme was a little bit more, like say, muted. It's like mm. slightly darker in the scheme. It's not quite as bold in the colors, um, and that's it's just sort of the style now, isn't it? It's quite that's quite fashionable. Um, which is fine, whereas this one was just downright very dark. <laughs> it's like you can't have a dark film without being like, look, the colours are dark too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh, all right then. So there's no sunshine in the world of darkness and misery. But then you have Promising Young Woman, which is very bold colours, but a very dark film. That's true. I love Promising Young Woman for that reason. It's very like soft candy colours, wasn't it? Like pop. Yeah. Like sweets almost. I, I had a friend who wrote a review. She's like, it was, it's like a trap. Like this, this trap of like sticky candy sweetness mm. and it lures people in and then they get caught. And there's something off about how the themes are so dark but the colours are so bright. It's sort of like a, how society's a bit false in in that way, I guess. We won't go too much into that. That's a whole podcast episode uh, <laughs> waiting to happen. The promising young woman segue. <laughs> a one a one off, just one yeah. random episode dissecting that whole film. <laughs> She's basically a superhero. Let's get her out. <laughs> she is, yeah, she is a superhero. She's a vigilante for sure. She is vigilante, definitely. Let's do uh, some cloak and dagger <laughs> plot. Um while your baby gurgles in the background. <laughs> no, because I tied a balloon to her foot. And I don't know if you saw it fly past me and up to the ceiling while we were talking. I but thought that's what it was, yeah. Let's get back there. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cloak and dagger of the title, the cloak is Tyrone Johnson. He His power is that he has a sort of magic cloak that he can manifest and he can transport himself to different places very quickly. Um, yes, he can use any cloak-like material, can't he, to transfer? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, he, um, and sometimes it's like a smoky disappearance, sometimes it's like a, and he's just gone. Um, and he's very quick like that. And he can also, in dream sequences, he can see people's fears and despairs mm. um, as well. It's um, just a weird cloak to help you do. It's like you can see through the cloak. Yeah, yeah, whoa, stop it. 
<laughs> that's a hot take right there. That's me. That's my whole essay. The real meaning behind uh, the title, Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> yeah, because I guess cloaks are protective and shielding. Maybe because cloaks, you hide in them. And that's what you do when you're in a state of despair or fear, or I guess, or something. I don't know. And the dagger of the title is Tandy Bowen, and she can produce gleaming white daggers to fight or defend herself with, and she can see people's hopes in a dreamlike state. So they're like a duality, their powers can't exist about the other, really. They're and light kind of- and dark, they're yin and yang, they are, they're male and female, um, you know, all that. And yeah. it has the, the phallic-shaped power. Ah, uh, whoa, yeah, that is interesting. Feminism, right there. (laughs) Now, many years ago, when they were children, there was an oil rig platform, because this is set in New Orleans, which is nice, because we haven't had anything set in New Orleans before. Um, And this platform is owned by the Roxxon Corporation. Boo, hiss. We don't like those guys. And the oil rig platform exploded due to various things, mysterious things that the Roxxon Corporation were doing. In the explosion, Ty and Tandy both end up in the sea. Um, Tandy's father, who works for Roxxon, was killed. And Ty's brother was also, in uh, during the whole event, shot by a cop because of institutional racism. Um, the, Ty and Tandy both survive while holding hands in the ocean, which is like this sort of symbolic connection of them at a young age. And the energy that the mysterious, mystical, magical energy that comes out of the Roxxon Corporation platform affects them and gives them their powers as children. Yeah, um, and then they stop hanging out for a long time. And then they, yeah, and then they forget about each other and go away for ages, basically. Yeah. Um, eight years later, their powers start to manifest, um, but they're both in—they're both not the happiest people in the world. They're pretty <laughs> moody teenagers and angsty. Um, Tandy is making money by robbing people along with her boyfriend um, and her mother's mental health is not very good and their relationship is very fractured and her father was abusive as well towards yes. her mother and her um, so you have the at that point that I thing. thought she points it out later doesn't she yes yes it sort of gradually comes out again through dream sequences <laughs> <laughs> never like a little dream sequence that you remember that your dad wasn't nice to you and Tyrone um is uh he's also uh, encountered the police officer who killed his brother the police officer is called connor's and he's sort of hell-bent on revenge so we got the themes of domestic abuse and racism within the, within the police force the sort of idea that cops sort of are more likely to shoot a black person rather than a white person who's committing a crime which of yeah. course as we know does happen this is true exactly. very true yeah mm. um in the meantime, they're also being tracked by Detective Bridget O'Reilly, um, and she eventually is, uh, starts assisting in uh, trying to arrest Connors and bring him down for the murder that he uh, committed many years ago. Um, over the course of the first season, the first season very much focuses on the Roxxon Corporation oil rig and what happened there. So the two of them gradually discover what happened there, again, through dream sequences. <laughs> You always want it to be like there's um there, there is an episode of Buffy that I'm gonna bring up where everyone is having weird like their their dreams are coming real. Then their worst nightmares. So like one of them has to perform on stage without ever practicing and it's like legitimately happening and mm. one goes to class and they're fully naked. But they add in this weird character to everyone's dreams, which is like this guy 
who who just holding cheese. Right. And he's in his dreams. And everyone spent like ages trying to figure out what the cheese guy represented. It turned out he was just there to be like, it's a dream, weird things happen. Oh, okay, right, yeah. But I quite liked that because it felt like it was having fun with the trope rather than just um being like, here's the trope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sort of proving because a dream sequence in fiction is usually it all means something. Whereas in reality, you have a dream where it just makes no sense whatsoever. Well, yeah, um, so yeah but they I think I did yeah they they find out a lot by entering the sort of the mind and the dreams of this past employee and the past employee he's in like a coma um and I think I would have just I think I prefer something as a word as a bit more detective work involved and a bit more like ah we have this fragment of file and this tells us this and then we interview this person and we discover this by overhearing this conversation that sort of thing whereas I think it just seems a bit easy to just go into someone's dream and go, ah, memories. There we go. Found out. But that is their power. It's <laughs> true. Having said that, I did enjoy this episode from the first season where they are in his mind and they're repeating the last few minutes before the rig exploded every now and then and like over and over and over again. Um, and they're trying to stop it from happening within the dream. Um, and I thought that was quite good. Um, I quite That was quite a nice idea. I love it when people play with with time as a concept and, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the Inside Number Nine episode with um, Sheridan Smith. Yes. And it it sort of like she's having these weird visions. It turns out it's just the last few minutes before she dies. It's like her life flashing before her eyes. Like, like, and she's seeing these key moments in her life, um, and they're all like a moment from each month of the year as well, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good episode. That's that's really sad, that episode. I know, I can't watch it again. It's one of those ones where you watch it once again. That's very clever, but never again. Whereas yes, the other ones never. I watch again playfully. Or the one where, um, um, like, there's a murder, the one with Amelia Fox in, where there's been a murder in the house, but you're seeing it backwards. So you, yes. see, you see the end of it. And then it goes right five minutes earlier and you see the next mm. five minutes earlier. And it's and how you think it all started is not how it ended. And yeah. Yeah, that's very good. So I like it when people can play with time. Like that's probably why we enjoyed the bit you just mentioned, like the, the complete repeat of those last few minutes. It was it was just a more they changed up the structure of it. Like there've been so many episodes of just they're wandering about, they're moody, there's a dream sequence, they're moody, there's a dream sequence, there's a music sequence. And then suddenly they had this episode where they've just thrown the structure out the window and gone, right, we're going to do this bottle episode where you actually discover quite a lot. Um, and I think that's why I probably enjoyed that episode because it was the most interesting. <laughs> I do like a bottle episode every now and then. <laughs> bottle episodes are great, definitely. We discover through this, through this repeated... Uh, so they're, they're going through the last few minutes before the rig exploded again and again and again. Um, and we discover that this employee who's in a coma and Tandy's father were trying to prevent it from happening because the head of Roxon is like the big evil guy. Um, and then we discover that this mysterious energy that they were mining was turning people into like animalistic killers, like Dawn of the Dead kind of zombies who are like, ah, and just like kill people. We don't get enough of those, do we? I'd love to see a superhero movie blended with like a 28 Days Later scenario. <laughs> I mean, this could have gone that far, to be fair. It yeah. almost does in the last episode of season one, to be fair. It, but that's what I think you need sometimes. It's like superheroes versus, because that's like a, a thought game that people like play, isn't it? Like, oh, what if Superman went against Batman? It's like, what if Rage Zombies went against the Avengers? I'd, yeah. I'd like what the hell would they do? 
they probably win, to be fair, because they have superpowers in the zombies don't really know what they're doing. But there are a lot of them and they run really fast. So I don't There's know. lots of them. And if the virus spreads really fast and really easily, what do they do, you know? Yeah, we haven't seen the superheroes go up against the pandemic before. <laughs> no, no. That's waiting to happen. Come on, phase four. <laughs> so yeah, Roxxon were mining this mysterious energy, but it was going out of control and the whole thing exploded. Um, because corporations are bad. And yeah. um the first season culminates in this big fight to stop the spread of the virus. Ty, Tandy, Bridget, and Connors are all there. Connors shoots Bridget and she um, and pushes her body into the water, but she absorbs some of the energy just beforehand. Um, so then at the very end, she like revives in the water. But as we see in season two, she's changed a bit. Dum, dum, dum. Ty's cloak also absorbs Connors and he like disappears. And we pick up on that in season two. And Ty and Tandy use their powers together to basically absorb the energy and then shoot it into the sky. And that saves the day. Woo! It's nice when people work together and save the day. It is. They work together and they save the day. So it's all about them uh, starting off trying to work separately, but finding that they're stronger as a unit, as a community. Yes. Which, as we say, is very nice because the Missy Pierre is like, I'm the chosen one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're yeah. the chosen two. Oh. <laughs> but in the case of Avengers, we're the chosen 12 or however many we are. But they, their powers aren't dependent on the others. Yes, that's true. Their, their powers. Are... And it also gets rid of the whole, like, there's so many films where the hero is like, I work alone, like mm -hmm. that. And, and that's just a bit tedious. Boring. It's been done. Yeah. No one works alone. No, no man is an island, isn't that the phrase? Yes, except the Isle of Man. That's an island. That's very true, actually. That's... <laughs> Were you just waiting for me to make that comment one day so you could do that joke and then do that very sassy I've been waiting since the, the first water. episode of this podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're done. We don't need to carry on. <laughs> My work is done. Um, now, eight months later, we go into season two. Ty is becoming a bit of a vigilante. Um and old Bridget doesn't like this. She's like, no, you have to like call the police and follow things by the book. But Ty is like, but the police don't do anything because they're useless and there's institutional racism in them. Um, yeah. So they sort of start <laughs> teaming up and she starts kind of like letting him do a few things. Um, Tandy has a better relationship with her mother and they're attending a domestic abuse support group, which on the outset looks really nice. But as it will as we gradually discover is not a good thing. <laughs> no, bad support group. I don't know what the message is for this. This was, yeah, we'll, we'll go into this in a little bit, but I, I was a bit uncertain around this revelation in the story. Um, we discover that due to the energy the rocks, that Roxxon was mining, Bridget has sort of split into two. And this happens to the little mice that the scientist is doing as well, in that there's, a, there's like one of them, but then they split so that one has the more meeker peace-loving side the other one is more violent more aggressive um um but they're both like on the side of good they're both looking to beat the bad guys basically mm. um uh this season also brings back connors who's been sort of dwelling inside this other world place after being sucked into ty's cloak he wants to repent for what he's done but then ty's mother kills him <laughs> <laughs> She did not mind about the death penalty. <laughs> she, she, she is all pro-death penalty, yeah. <laughs> She's mm. looking for vengeance. Although 
like as with the debate about the death penalty, it, it shouldn't really be in her hands to decide this. He should have been arrested, gone to prison or something. I don't know. I don't know. The 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 whole all the good guys, so like uh, Ty, Tandy and the two Bridgets, they sort of team up in various ways to, and they're investigating mysterious disappearances of young girls. And they're being stolen by people who are driving private ambulances. And obviously with the ambulance, they can disguise themselves and they look yeah. legit, basically. Um, but it gradually transpires. This is all happening within the domestic support group that Tandy is attending with her mother. And the leader <laughs> of the support group, who seems so nice, called Leah, is the is one of the people sort of orchestrating this. And they're kind of preying upon women who turn up at this support group. And when they discover that the women have absolutely no one, and are completely alone they're like ah we can steal them we can drug them with heroin steal them in the private ambulance and then pretty much put them into slavery and human trafficking yeah not sure how i feel about it turning out that it's the support group leader doing it no that seemed a shame didn't it i know obviously it's like oh corruption is runs deep i was like oh i don't know that i like that but i kind of would have preferred it if like they were good people it does it does seem a bit sort of we want to encourage people to go and attend these support groups and yeah. the people who need to, who need to go there are probably going to be the most scared people. Um, so to depict it as a place where you could end up being enslaved just seemed a bit problematic to me. I don't, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but yeah. No, I was, the, ooh, I was the same. I found it a bit of a, I don't know, a departure from, like, it's the same when um, I've told you so before, probably, but there's like this show called Netflix is Criminal. Mm-hmm. And they had an episode where it was a guy talking about he'd been accused of rape and he was saying it was a false accusation. They did it to get money off him so they could go on holiday. Mm. And you're like, come on now. And it turns out he's telling the truth. And I was like, why would that be the message that you want to put out? Like 1%, I'd say, probably, of rape accusations. It'll be fake rape accusations because of them wanting to go on a holiday. It just seemed like a really unnecessary message to put out into the world exactly and i'm sort of in in the context yeah it's stuff like that where you when people say um when there's all sorts of accusations of um abuse towards uh, when there was all those accusations about actors and stuff like that and there were people saying oh there's some people jumping on a bandwagon and trying mm-hmm. to get money out of them possibly that is the case but it just seems like that is the very tiny percentage of the accusations Whereas we shouldn't be focusing on them, we should be focusing on the one on the vast majority of them, which are most likely true. Um, yeah, I, I actually spoke to someone from Rape Crisis about it when, at the time, mm. and they, they said, I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was such a low percentage, and also so many rape cases, like so few end in conviction, just because it's really hard to prove that someone did it rather than you know didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, yeah. It, again, it's not a great message to put out into the world that people are going to fake it because it implies that it's really easy to get people like rape convictions and that, you know, yeah. people being found guilty of crimes left, right and centre that they didn't commit, whereas hardly anyone's found guilty, even if they did do it. Exactly. Yeah. And in the context of this storyline, I'm kind of like how many domestic support group, domestic abuse support groups um, are actually secret human traffickers in disguise? Yeah, really. <laughs> it just seemed it's not that it's far-fetched it just seemed a bit um insulting and problematic to depict the support group as this when it should yeah. have been someone from outside of that possibly maybe it could have been someone who's attending it 
and lying about their domestic abuse and then and then recruiting through that or something like that but not the support group as a whole this it shows it as the support group has been set up in order to do this it's like do you remember the wayfair conspiracy the wayfair the wayfair conspiracy where they said that um there was there was a human trafficking ring going on through wayfair by calling they would name um cupboards and wardrobes and things after people who had disappeared and have them on there with like massive price prices and actually you weren't buying the wardrobe you were buying a person or something it seemed nonsense to me i'm like it seemed why would you advertise through a massive furniture shop <laughs> this yeah. doesn't make any sense no one will figure it out if we just call this one Teresa and we charge five grand for it. It's like, uh-huh. I mean, it's, I think it will. It's like they it's like they think people are gonna go, you know what? The best place to hide is right in front of everyone. <laughs> didn't they link it to I didn't I didn't really read up on it, but there was something called Pizzagate and it was linked to that. And I was like, this is very confusing. Now there's wardrobes, there's pizza, Hillary Clinton's involved somehow. What's going on? <laughs> It's it's like it's a bit like the QAnon stuff where you just read about the conspiracy and you go, that's so crazy. It's like you spun a wheel three times, just plonk some things together. That doesn't it just makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, I just think, yeah, it just it didn't sit well with me the way it was. The way it was discovered and the, the, the whole idea behind it, personally. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad that they did try and make something that incorporated these themes because this is something that still happens. In... I agree. I mean, I had someone criticize my take on the criminal episode I mentioned because they were like, you know, it's fiction. It should be like, you know, there should be twists in the tale. And, you know, sometimes people do fake, make out fake accusations. And I was kind of like, yeah, they do. But I think sometimes there's a responsibility. Yes. Because like this is going to be much more in people's heads, you know, than actual facts because they're not going to go off and read the facts afterwards. So sometimes you kind of just want until the truth becomes mainstream. like the mainstream push the truth does that make sense yeah yeah i know what you mean and and also it's it's just seems irresponsible because there could be people watching it who are victims there could be children watching this who are victims of domestic abuse who might think about going to a support group but then might be put off doing it because of how dark this twist was um so yeah it just seemed just seemed irresponsible to me but i don't think it's gonna you know ruin the world (laughs) no i agree Leah, who's the leader of the support group, she's being led by a man called Andre Deshane. And Andre, we get his backstory. He used to be a trumpet player. He developed severe debilitating headaches, which stopped him being able to be a trumpet player. Um, yes. He was also affected by the mysterious energy that Roxon was mining, and it gave him the ability to take away people's hopes. Um, and this is represented through this sort of record shop that he has where each record is like a copy of their hope or was it their hope or their despair? I can't remember, but this is, this was him cataloging um, everyone's hopes and everyone's sort of feelings in order to gain control of them. Yes. Um, And then when he did, they would be sitting in his bar listening to his hypnotic trumpet playing, basically. Yeah, it's almost like he's one of those guys who's like, please listen to me play guitar. <laughs> like, God, yeah. extremes he's gone to to make that happen. <laughs> it's, it's someone who interrupts a really good party to play guitar and it's really crap, yeah. And sings with their eyes closed. Yeah, and you go, no, no, smash this thing. Let's get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Ty and Tandy, they, they 
band together and again it shows that they can't defeat him individually they have to band together in order to do it and they manage to defeat him and then it ends with them heading off on a plane on heroic adventures together and that's the end then it the show got cancelled well they're holding hands at the end as well and everyone was like oh is Ellie in love is it a friendship handhold what is it (laughs) I know I feel like it would be really cliche to make them fall in love I like the idea of them just being friends but then having like love interests outside of their connection you know like, i think it should be platonic sibling connection yeah sibling connection yeah i think but so a lot of people were like i can't remember i read someone was like oh but they had waffles and that's the romantic option over pancakes oh is it i didn't know that i just thought waffles was like a sort of subpar option to pancakes personally but that's just me I don't really see much difference between the two. Well, they're different foods, but I didn't really realise one was more romantic than the other. No, I guess. No, I don't know why. Maybe it's because of all the lattices. Maybe it represents the crisscrossing of of lives. <laughs> I don't know. Those pancakes are like, oh, they can flip on you. You don't know. Pan- you can't yeah. <laughs> Pan- pancakes are just like piled up and like a load of slop is put on top of them. Waffles yeah. are a more delicate thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can't I read it at the time. It was like a like a tweet or something I can't remember I think someone had written it in an article and people were tweeting about the article saying I didn't know waffles were a romantic option but maybe they are I mean we don't really eat waffles as much in, in the UK no and we have pancakes on like one day of the year generally don't we so and our waffles are potato oh the potato waffles yeah do you remember them did you ever have those from the freezer Oh yes, yes. They oh god, they were probably there was probably no potato in that. It was probably made. No, I think it's just cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> they were great though. I love those. Yeah, apparently you can just cook them in the toaster now, straight oh. from the freezer. Easy peasy. Oh yeah. Anyway, I just added a binary to pancakes and. That was a real <laughs> tangent, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Off we <laughs> the go. Romantic, the romantic aspects of waffles. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I, I think it'd be nicer almost if they weren't romantic. But I think the creator did say in an interview that he had intended it to be a romance. But okay. it was kind of because he wanted to see what the audience wanted. Yeah, I don't want it to be a romance. I like. I think it's too easy. I think it would be nice to have a platonic thing and then they have romances outside. But then yeah. they probably do the whole, oh, your romance is getting in the way of our work and all that stuff. And that's been done to death. So It's always lucky that it didn't get renewed for that reason, because you'd constantly be like, oh, they're together, they're not together, they're together, they're not together. The Ross and Rachel situation. We'd also have to watch another 10 episodes of Dreams and Music interludes <laughs> and a very thin plot and possibly some other problematic twist in the tale. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it would have been an interesting one to see how much we could have coped with. But yeah, they, they rush in New York, which is where all superheroes end up, isn't it? So. It is. All roads lead to New York. Well, you know, there's more jobs there. So maybe that's why they go. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe it's just because that is the epicentre for all supervillains. They all go to New York. They're like, it's famous. Everyone loves New York. It is. It gets New York. Poor old New York just gets absolutely destroyed by villains all the time. It does. Yeah, you'd think they would have switched it up after September the 11th, but they didn't really. So. Well, they, all, they increased it after that. Yeah. I think it taps into that sort of social... Um, consciousness doesn't it um, yeah. if you see buildings being destroyed in New York that's the immediate thought subconsciously that is is not <laughs> so yeah but they had that bit didn't they and I think it was in one of the Harry Potter shows with the Dementors or 
the Death Eaters are attacking the Millennium Bridge in London. It doesn't have quite the same feel to it. You're just like, oh no, the bridge is wobbling. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> if a bridge collapsed in London, we'd be like, well, we've got plenty more. Like, we'll be yeah. all right. As long as no one was on it, it's fine. <laughs> and even then they fall in the water. Like, chance That's... you might survive. <laughs> well, I don't know. People say not to fall in the Thames because of the currents, don't they? Uh, currents and the, God knows what is growing in there, quite frankly. I imagine it to be like a nuclear hotbed of like free-eyed fish, to be honest. Literally, literally. You don't want to run a net along the bottom of the Thames. You get all sorts of aliens out of that. Yeah, it's yeah. like whenever there's a whale in the Thames, I'm like that poor whale. I don't think even if he got it out of the Thems, it would be fine because of the sludge that's been swimming around him. Growing legs, yeah. Shall we do a quiz that I found where it says, are you cloak or are you dagger? Yes, I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd like to know. This one you've got to put in your name. Do you want me to put in your real name or shall I put in a fake name? Uh, I'll leave it up to you. You can decide. Should I call you... What should I call you? Francesca. Oh my God, you should have just called me Cloak to see what happens. Cloak, and they'd be like, well, you're Cloak. <laughs> Done. The game's over. Mm. Okay, so when you're choosing a job, what is more important to you? How stable it is? how easy to rise in the ranks, how lucrative it is, and or how nice the boss is. Well, you know what should be more important is how nice the boss is, to be honest. I've mm. realised this over time. So, that one. It does make a difference, doesn't it? Um, you're falsely accused of a crime you didn't commit. <gasps> what do you do? Do you frame someone else? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, you, do you wait and trust that the truth will prevail? Do you fight to prove your innocence or do you flee? I would fight to prove my innocence because I'm one of those people who gets very like indignant when I'm accused of something that I haven't done. You're just stubborn and drag your heels, yeah. Yeah, like me and Chris have this ongoing argument, like which of us in a relationship is Wallace and which is Gromit? And I get really infuriated when he implies I'm Wallace because obviously I'm Gromit. He's Wallace and it it just never stops. He's the, one like, with the, he's the one with the mechanical trousers, yeah. Exactly, and he does this all the time. <laughs> all I did was eat some Wednesday dinner once, and I've been tired for life. And that was it. That was it. You're Wallace now. Okay, so you're caught in a dilemma. doesn't specify what the dilemma is, just a dilemma. Do you create a list weighing the pros and cons? Do you panic? Do you seek advice from others, or do you trust your gut? I seek advice from others. You do seek advice from others, yes. You know I this. I come to I you all the time. Weird problems. <laughs> <laughs> <It's surprising>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your parents arranged a marriage with someone that you hate. Because <laughs> this, this is what happens to you in your life. I've um, come back times. <laughs> apparently so. Um, do you trust their judgment? Do you try and seek compromise? <laughs> do you run away? Or do you agree but secretly work to sabotage it? I would run away. I think that's a so good I, idea. If my parents have gone down that path, I don't think I can talk them out of it. <laughs> um, so, when trust, when gaining, when on trusting new acquaintances, does it depend on the reputation that they have, or do you think that people are good unless proven otherwise? Is it a matter of instinct, or you don't know them well enough to trust them? Like, how trusting are you, basically? pretty trusting i like to assume i'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise yeah so we go with people are good unless proven otherwise yeah go with that yeah i think so. I I think eat, yeah, but you know what else can you do 
Do you prefer, this is so random. Do you prefer fish, dogs, cats, or hamsters? Dogs. Well, who would pick fish? I don't know. <laughs> who <laughs> would pick a, fish? A series of meals, to be honest. I mean, like fish, pancakes, waffles, or hamsters. And I would have picked <laughs> waffles, apparently. Do you prefer water, tea, coffee, or soda? I'm going to pick water. How beige of you. I know, but I do find I drink it more than anything else at the moment, so I'm just going to have to go a bit. That's fine. Water is good for you. You should always drink water, people at home. And it goes with all meals. It does. That's true. Um, you found out that your good friend's partner is cheating on him slash her. <gasps> do that's you it. confront the cheater, intervene only when things get serious, tell your friend, or keep silent? Gosh, I don't know what I would do. It depends on the people, doesn't it? I think I would talk to my friend but I don't know what that would come as I don't think it'd be like I'm gonna tell them I, I think it'd be more like I'm here as a sound I'm gonna reveal all <laughs> yeah do you like your food sweet sour spicy or savory spicy <laughs> spicy and would you rather travel into the future or the past oh the past because I feel like if I go into the future it creates all sorts of problems or is it, I'm not, wait can I what are the rules can I change things or can I just observe I've just read to you whatever what's on the screen I don't have any more information it makes that. me stressed I don't want to come and accidentally change anything maybe I should go forwards because then I can't impact the present you can't impact it but then if the future's really bleak then it's just gonna depress you maybe oh, that's true okay no past because I past? see guys. are you sure yes. past yeah yeah yep, I'm gonna press it I'm gonna press it here we go we're gonna find out now you are cloak. You're cool, calm, and collected. Sometimes a little too collected. I don't know that that's true. I just panicked over the time travel question. <laughs> I know. You just like <laughs> defeated the object of that. But there's only two possible outcomes from this quiz by the looks of it. Um, people say you bottle up your emotions. You value friends and what you, they have to say. People might think you're timid, but when you get crossed, you're a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. That's me. Everyone knows me. It's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to very quickly do it. I think she hates the balloon now. I'm going to just take it off. I would say with that first question, a nice boss makes everything else more likely. Like the, um, You're more likely to rise through the ranks. It's more likely to be stable. You've got the nice yeah, all the other things come of that. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. I get yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the same thing. I'm going to say how nice the boss is. There's um, I, I think she's going to be our special guest on this one. <laughs> we can cut it out, can't we? No, I don't, she's in the background for a vast majority, but it's okay. It's, it's, I'm so sorry. It's cute. No, 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 it's cute. Um, okay, falsely committed of a crime. I'd fight to prove my innocence. I'd fight. Um, caught in a dilemma. I do create a list weighing the pros and cons. I must admit, I have I have done that sometimes aggressively practical some might call it aggressively practical some might call it yeah um <laughs> if my parents arranged a marriage for me i think i'd secretly work to sabotage it because i think that could be quite fun and make oh, the okay. arranged marriage fun you know Shakespearean of you it is very yes yes it is i am iago yeah um <laughs> on trusting new acquaintances oh. mm, i think i do a matter of instinct i think i go uh, sometimes i'm not always I, I don't i don't like that it's that i prefer to think people are good until proven otherwise but yeah um 
and I do prefer dogs and I prefer coffee. I would tell the friend if I found out their partner was cheating and I like my food savory and I'd travel into the future. I think I don't want to change the past. I mean, the last few questions were very random for this quiz. It was like- They, were, they had no they like- connection to the TV series at all, did they? No, I don't recall being like, I love soda so much more than water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. I am Dagger, so we can team up. That's perfect. And look, you're dressed in white and I'm dressed in black today. Oh my God, I'm in my white fluffy dressing gown. Yeah. Ah. And we've inverted the gender of it. That's how we like to roll. <laughs> it says, I'm brave and kind of a lone wolf. Some say you're too independent. But that's how you roll and you like it that way. You might have some trust issues and prefer to avoid fights, but you've got your instincts and you're cool that way. I'm cool. It says you I'm cool. cool to me, yes. <laughs> Especially if we save each other from mortal peril. That's what we do, basically. This is what the podcast is a front for. It's <laughs> real. Yeah, we're, we are actually cloak and dagger ourselves. Yes. We're superheroes and we talk about superheroes to make throw people off the sink. So like real superheroes wouldn't talk about superheroes as much as those two no there's people like we're the, the ones hiding it in plain sight we're the wayfair <laughs> we, we are yeah <laughs> we're the cons- we are the conspiracy yeah, yeah. And that's true. If real superheroes would be over it it's like um like really 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 wealthy people don't actually dress wealthy because they don't feel they have to but people no. who are not so wealthy but have enough money dress it up and are a bit more showy about it in order to prove true. something the middling upper class. Exactly. Those awful middling upper class people. Who do they think they are? Right. Come down to our level. <laughs> right. We got some good news. Guess what's next? I don't need to. It's Endgame. Endgame is next, guys. We finally made it to Avengers Endgame. And Paul has made it all the way without any spoilers, which Literally I'm Literally no spoilers. Um, I've had spoilers of films that have come out in the last year but not like major things but I'm, I've debated in my head whether that's going to have some connection to Endgame in some way because like there's been a few films and stuff with characters and you'll be like oh well, I don't know that person lives that sort of thing yeah but then you, you, know, you just don't know which way it's going it's science fiction it's anything can happen so it's true anything goes <laughs> it's, it's anything goes it's <laughs> it's how it gets there is going to be the big question for me so on on the next one on the next episode there'll be a lot of screaming i feel yes and i'm gonna watch you watch it and i'm gonna that's gonna be my notes won't be about the film it'll be about your reactions throughout (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah (laughs) just a a chronicle of paul's mood throughout three hours down his cheek at 307 (laughs) (laughs) yeah very exciting here we go You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode. <laughs>